0: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Longevity Muscle Podcast. I'm Kenny, your host. And today we have 2017 WMBF Junior World Champion and UKD FBA Junior British Champion, AJ Morris, joining us. AJ is the founder of Made by Morris, an online-only coaching service that advocates and promotes natural bodybuilding and drug-free physique improvement. He has personally coached over 30 clients to victory, And over sixty clients to a top three finish, that is impressive. AJ, thank you so much for being here.
1: Yeah, thank you very much for for having me on. Thank you for the introduction. I really appreciate it. A couple more things have definitely happened since that. I think that's probably on my my website that information. Um, But yeah, a couple couple more things have happened since since then. So, but yeah, it's it's been obviously like a you know for me, natural bodybuilding has been a journey that started like way back in in twenty fourteen and and now being almost like a, a decade into, into coaching, a decade into, into my process, I'm really sort of getting to a point where I'm doing all the things that I kind of wanted to do when I first started, especially from a coaching realm. So uh, yes, it's a pleasure to to be on the podcast. I, I've listened to quite a few of your episodes and you've had some amazing guests on, so I appreciate it.
0: Oh, 100%. And why don't you fill us in? So what are some of the things that's happened since then? I've obviously been following you on Instagram and whatnot, but It'll be good for you to get into some detail there, the competition. Yeah,
1: yeah of course. So yeah, 20, 2017 was a real sort of like turnaround year for me, uh, where I did win the junior British title and won the world title as well subsequently. So that was, I was really where I gained a good amount of traction on, on YouTube by basically documenting my entire journey. And I was already coaching quite a few athletes at that point. My first ever stage athlete was 2015. So I, I'd taken quite a few people to stage. And obviously when I had my own level of success coaching myself at that point as well, naturally some more inquiries came through. And you know, my my goal has always been to coach, you know, professional athletes, coach people to earning their pro cards and coach people to basically winning multiple national overall titles in the UK. Um so 2017 was where that kind of spiraled and um I got back on stage in in both 2020 and 2021 and uh, achieved an open british title in the the basically a medium high class which is a men's open men's open class and then went on to play second at the INBA PNBA worlds and third at the the natural Olympia so that was my mo- most recent contest season myself and then in terms of clients it's really been a case of coaching more more experienced more um higher level athletes to lots of overall titles last year namely with theo golab and a professional title with ramon limisher and that was in the wmbf so it's it's basically like i'm doing everything that I, I wanted to be doing i had a vision in 2014 of becoming a coach that stood out in the natural bodybuilding industry and uh, in the uk at least for now i definitely think that i'm i'm sort of stamping my mark on that a little bit more firmly um and it just goes to show like if you know if anyone's listening to this and wants to make a similar mark and 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 kind of coach at that level you know spend 10 years just being obsessed with this and you'll probably get very very far because it does t- just take a lot of time um you know i very much like st- i started out just helping friends and coaching off my laptop in my bedroom oh, like uh you know off a couple of cereal boxes as my desk you know like kind of like a very very basic start so it looks all fancy now with all of this but this wasn't this definitely wasn't how i began so it's very much a journey and uh I'm just grateful to be in the position that I am in now, where there's a lot of things that I have, yeah, basically dreamed about doing, and now I'm doing it. So, yeah, that's where I'm at currently.
0: That's incredible, man. Yeah, I think that is good for those listening who want to start. Whether it's coaching, whether it's to build the physique, I think you got to be have, have patience, right? Patience is a big thing, and of course, the hard work and the determination to continue forward. I'm sure there's been some obstacles throughout oh, yeah. that journey.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: So let's, you also had a podcast. I remember listening to that when you first kind of started the whole, I guess, your journey. That was, well, are we going back now to 2016? Was that kind of set 15?
1: At least, yeah, 15, 15 and late 14, early 15 was probably when I started the first ever version of the podcast. It's been named multiple different things over the time that I ran it, but I I started it with, with Team Muscle Radio. So at the time I was, I was obviously a teenager and I just thought, right. Um, one of my favorite people to listen to at the time in terms of like entrepreneurship and building a business was, was Gary V. And at the time, Gary V was like, you've got to gain leverage. So I was like, okay, how do I gain leverage? So I, I was like, right. I, I speak to people that I can gain leverage through and i can not only learn myself but i can offer them an opportunity to share and voice their opinion and i can also gain leverage for my platform through that individual and that's what i did so i reached out to loads like pretty much everyone in the industry you know you know what it's like obviously asking people to come on you know seeing if they'd be game to have a chat i spoke to some of the brightest minds in the industry and i was like 19. so i just i write out a ton of topics i want to cover with them put it out as an episode and um, that's how I gained a lot of like initial leverage. And, you know, one of the most listened to episodes was the one with Jordan Peters. And that's where I really kind of vibed with a lot of what Jordan had in terms of knowledge and his application of his knowledge within bodybuilding, because I think that's something that I think is very important when you are a coach is you, you have a certain level of application of the knowledge that you do have. You could be extremely knowledgeable in one area. But it really matters as to how you apply it. That's what really makes the difference. Um, so I really vibe well with with him in particular. And yeah, I mean, uh, from from there, it was obviously just a case of turning it into something a little bit more like, okay, yeah, you know, I've done all the the sort of you know big names kind of thing that I wanted to cover in the industry. Then I started doing like interviews with athletes and building that side of things up, and basically just delivering a little bit more back to natural bodybuilding as a whole. So interviewing people on in their preps and how they were going, what they were doing. Leveraging the sport of natural bodybuilding so that then I could leverage more natural bodybuilding clients to, you know, potentially come and and speak to me for, for coaching. And that's how it kind of, kind of worked. And, you know, over the years, it it got to a point where now I'm at a very sort of comfortable level of coaching clients that I got the opportunity to sort of take up a bit of space within the natural bodybuilding industry and sort of turn it into more of like a platform which is what natural bodybuilding worldwide is so it's it's you know it's it's been a long long process of getting to this this point but it was always kind of my vision to basically turn what was that podcast and the leverage that I was creating through that, to turn it into a platform at some point for natural bodybuilding specifically uh, within a website sort of foundation. So um, yeah, but it's crazy you now. Like like that literally started like almost like seven eight years ago. So um, yeah, a lot of work went in.
0: Well, you've done a fantastic job, and you know, there's a few things I would love to unpack. There, the first one is did That well, first off, that episode with Jordan Peters, or wow. Peterson is it Peterson or Peters? It's um, Peters.
1: They're they're both cool people, but yeah, Peterson is very different to Peters. <laughs> yeah,
0: okay, that's what I thought. Well, Peters,
1: Peters uh lifts weight. Yes, Peterson, he's
0: the massive, <laughs> the massive bodybuilder that uh, yeah, yeah. very popular on Instagram. And yeah. you also contribute to his website, no? Like, yeah, I was,
1: yeah, that? I was, I was an athlete with Jordan, so yeah, I was, was an athlete with Jordan from twenty late, yeah, early twenty twenty all the way through till the end of 2021 um so yeah it was a like that was again another kind of dream come true kind of thing with with being with their roster
0: yeah that's a pretty cool collaboration because you know i I don't know if you know people will say that natural bodybuilding is not so big and whatnot but i mean look at the collaborations that are being done a lot of the times now i mean i think i saw one with yeah with like joe bennett and um Eshak, i think his name Eshak. yes that's yes name. yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That, that, it's like there's there's cool collaborations going on right All within right, the right. within both sides of the community so that's kind of cool and so let's talk about natural bodybuilding worldwide for a second why don't you speak to that what's what's the goal with of that because i just came across it i think when you first launched it to be fair sure, but sure. um yeah why don't you talk talk about that for the listeners who may not know
1: yeah. So this actually ties in back to you know my relationship with Jordan, what he built. So obviously with with him building trainbyjp.com, which was like the first bodybuilding membership platform, really, um, that was ever there. And like there's obviously things popping up left, right and center of these platforms now. And they are all essentially formed upon the idea that Jordan kind of created. So I have to give incredible you know, respect to jordan that he was basically the creator of these kind of platforms so yeah i was a member of that literally like from pretty much like day one of the platform being being launched and i found it an incredible place for information for being able to follow people's journeys a little bit more closely in the forum section kind of thing like the old school forums um there used to be a forum called natural muscle as well.com which was a free forum where People would log their progress. It's where Ben Howard started logging some of his first ever preps. And, you know, these platforms, like a lot of people, think that forums are dead because of social media and stuff like that. The reality is social media is a highlight. Social media, you only kind of post your best stuff. You know, maybe some people share a little bit more than that, but most people post their best stuff. Whereas forums, you kind of tell it how it is because you want to kind of update your log every single day and tell people how you're feeling. If you're sick, you're probably going to say that you're sick. If you had a bad session, you probably say you had a bad session. You know, It's a, it's a real interpretation of a journey. So I, I really like that. Um, and then obviously I got the opportunity to be an athlete and that was something I wanted for a long, long time. And I'd kind of already at the time started a small membership kind of platform on my coaching website called Made by Morris Coaching, where it had, and it still has like over 300 videos on that that platform. And it was kind of It was kind of an attempt at natural bodybuilding worldwide because at the time i had like jack thorburn and i sent out a videographer to where he was out in wales and recorded some of his sessions and people loved it um and then also had people logging in the forum section etc so it was already a good i already saw a bit of traction with that and it was basically a place where after you know years of of creating content on youtube i felt like I could not only create a, like a business model, being honest, like a business model and something that was, you know, going to be financially rewarding in the future, um, but equally at the same time, have an impact, you know, have a longstanding impact on an industry. At the moment, still quite small. So then as an athlete with JP, at the end of 2021, I knew that it was like the right time because it was either now or never kind of thing in terms of getting a platform going. So I just had a feeling that other people were going to probably do it if I wasn't going to do it. So then, you know, I was talking to like Keith and, you know, Ben Howard and George and, you know, Jack as well. And obviously with my partner Loz, um, you know, at the time, everything sort of fell into the right place. So I was honest with Jordan. I just said, look, you know, I'm going to go elsewhere and sort of pursue my own clothing and pursue my own my own site kind of thing. Um, and obviously he was very supportive of that endeavor, um, which again, I really respect. And then, yeah, sort of, you know, then five, six months down the line. When I finalised some things, I launched it, and you know now it's it's got to, just coming up to four hundred and fifty members, and we launched in June, so that's some really really good growth. And the logs are very very lively with a lot of people sharing their preps this year. And you know we're really just at the start. Um, it's not something that at the moment for me as a business, like it's uh, be totally honest, it's not it's not going to be profitable for, for probably several years because all of the money that has come through it has either been invested into the site development itself or actually just funding athletes and funding natural bodybuilding as in like funding federations. So we are a headline sponsor for the UK FBA, um, which is the British natural bodybuilding federation over here. Um, alongside we're supporting athletes in the sense that we are actually giving athletes paid contracts at the moment. They're small, but they're something. Um, and that's why, uh, I wanted to do this is because there is basically minimal opportunity for that like obviously i had a close relationship with cuba and with jordan so that that was kind of my inroad to getting into like you know an opportunity with jordan whereas you know if you don't have the know or the you know the right people as a natural bodybuilder it's hard to like get something like that even if you're really really good you know so like ben howard was uh, you know a world champion and like there's no one really giving him anything for it you know not that he asked he doesn't ask for that um and an actual fact funny story when i told ben that i was gonna make sure he was on a contract he said that he didn't want it (laughs) he said that he wanted the money to go back into the site because he's that kind of person he's that humble and he's that like he's just he just loves the sport so but you know to give someone like ben that opportunity where you know he can help grow the site put his time and effort into it which he's really loving doing and then he can also have some financial reward out of it and growth because his reward will grow with the site that's that's something that I'm just so proud to to be able to be a part of and do so um that for me is the primary reason is like I want to be able to you know take on board every year new athletes add them to the site um, which that their role will be obviously logging their journey and being part of the, the videos that I, I help produce, um, and giving them a platform, helping them with their coaching if they do coaching, and yeah, just you know, basically helping the sport of natural bodybuilding grow to all new levels. That really is the primary goal with it.
0: That's incredible. And you are, I believe, one of the first to do that with the contracts because I think the PMBA. Started doing that within Generation Iron, if I'm not familiar, is that correct?
1: I'd be surprised. Yeah. I, I don't actually know if anyone else has done it, to be honest. But okay. I think here in the UK, there's I mean, besides getting a supplement, a supplement deal where you may get some retainer, you may get some like monthly retainer for being an athlete, especially if you're big on socials, that can be your way to get like some form of financial return out of your bodybuilding. But in terms of like <laughs> being a part of a community and and being like, let's say a natural bodybuilding worldwide athlete kind of thing. I don't think that's really Mm. been available or been done just yet. So yeah,
0: that's really cool. So where do you see that? What's your vision for that down the road, as far as incentive for the athlete, where do you see that potentially going towards?
1: Sure. So I think realistically, I want to get it to a point where the athletes can be on really really good contracts like really good contracts where they they don't have to maybe even if they are a coach for example and i know this is exactly what this is like if they're a coach i want them to be able to have to like keep their roster maybe a little bit lower so they can focus on being an athlete because the thing is like we're always like even for example again someone like benny he loves being busy so i don't know if it will ever change but like he'll work so many PT hours that inevitably it will take away from his ability to train and recover. Whereas, you know, if we can work towards building the site up to a point where he doesn't have, maybe he can, you know, afford to not have four or five of those clients a week, he's getting back maybe some hours of sleep. He's getting back the ability to go in for another training session and these athletes are becoming better. So, you know, that's a large part of the reason why, you know, maybe you'll see someone at the top of the IFBB, like, you know, a a James Hollingshead or a Nick Walker, you know, their, their their job day-to-day is primarily a bodybuilder, primarily to do the job of a bodybuilder, eat the meals, sleep on time, you know, maybe even nap between meals. Um, James, James will go out on his rollerblades or whatever, um, produce content, of course. Um, you know, these people get to do what they need to do on a daily basis, to be quite frank. Um, and it's limit limiting the stresses of day-to-day life. And, you know, as a natural bodybuilder, like even if you're professional, reality is you're probably going to have to have some you know job role and career alongside so if i can get the site big enough to a point where i can help people at least maybe tone down their day-to-day jobs alongside being a part of of the site and being an athlete that's really the long-term vision how long that will take i don't know maybe maybe a decade Mm -hmm. maybe maybe more you know so we can't can't predict anything but the site's growth already in the direction it's heading in is very favorable whether or not in the future I mean I've already had chats with certain individuals about like being more part of like specific shows so maybe holding like a show that would basically be like fully supported by natural bodybuilding worldwide and having it be its, its own show kind of thing obviously with a specific federation and maybe in the future you know the landscape of, of natural bodybuilding there's changes so often, you know, people become affiliates of different federations, federations start to dwindle in terms of numbers, you know, so many different things happen that, you know, in a decade time we could be working with different federations that are, you know, do, going in different directions. Um, I think there'll be certain ones that will be around for a, you know, a long, long time because they have such prestige. Um, but at the same time, if the door ever opens to, an opportunity to create you know maybe a new level playing field where athletes that feel like at the moment can only compete with one federation maybe they can come across and and we can start things afresh where there isn't so much like being locked into one fed um but that's a very long term thing i don't know maybe that's a 20 year kind of <laughs> kind of vision um but it's a vision nevertheless because that's that's one of the only other things with natural bodybuilding to be honest that does get to me a little bit sometimes is that you inevitably do at some point probably have to lock yourself into a specific federation and the affiliates that go with that because it's not like you're going to get unfairly judged it's just like you kind of you kind of have to you kind of have to follow the game um you know being a pro in one federation and competing with that one federation is probably the way you have to go it's even the same in the ifbb you know once you become an IFBB pro you, you you kind of just have to compete as an IFBB pro there's no other option but that is that is something with natural bodybuilding it's harder to it's harder to de- actually depict who is the best in the world because there's so many world championships that actually have a very high level of high caliber of athlete in the pro ranks it's like who is the best um, because we're yet to see some of the best of the best all on the same stage at once Um, so that in the future would be something that would be amazing, whether I think it's possible or not. I can't, I can't determine the answer to that question at the moment.
0: Right. No, that's, um, something we've talked about quite a bit on this podcast. I'm sure you've listened to a few episodes where Mm. that's been brought up where, yeah, there's just a lot of organizations and you've competed with the WMBF. Now you're competing with the PMBA because they're affiliated with the UKDFBA. Correct. So is that the direction you're going as far as the natural Olympia and, maybe as far as ambitions to get to that highest level do you see that being the natural olympia at this point or do you still have ambitions for wmbf worlds
1: yeah it's an interesting one that because like for for years i must be honest for for years ever since i started bodyboarding the wmbf for me was the pinnacle because that's the worlds that i always went to um it's the worlds that when i won the uk the FBA british title in 17 it's the worlds that i got invited to um, it's the worlds that I got my first ever trip to America with because what happens with the UK FBA is when you win, you get your flights paid for, you get everything paid for. This is kind of why again links back to natural bodybuilding wider world, worldwide in the sense that I've always been supported. So my desire to give back my desire, for example, to fund back money into the UK FBA was me as a twenty one year old kid being given flights and accommodations go to america by you know by lee basically lee and amy who runs the uk fba and i've felt always like kind of in debt to the to to them and the uk fba in the sense that they gave me so many opportunities um so yeah you know like that was my my first ever experience of the worlds that was where i also met brett freeman backstage and we did some posing together and Mm -hmm. I met some of my like, you know, best friends that I've built in bodybuilding in that world. Um, and that was kind of like, a, again, a pivotal point where I just thought, right, I want to get to the top of the tree. Um, so, yeah, I must admit that was always kind of like the pinnacle for me. And the goal was, you know, definitely to at that time it was to get like a WMBF pro card. And in the in the UK, the the only way you could get a WMBF pro card at the, t- at the time was to win the UK DFBA overall title, which I saw so many people win uh just always looked looked at them and thought like that that's where i want to be at some point you know having the belts that you get when you won the pro card awarded to you and the massive trophy and like that was just it for me um and so since 2017 i went out to all the worlds obviously in 2020 kind of things changed and we had the COVID, we had COVID, we had the lockdowns and we also had the affiliation changes so you could fba are now affiliated with imba pmba um, and to be honest, like I've had nothing but amazing experiences with INBA, PNBA, um, to this, to this date. Like I've been out to obviously the European Championships in 2020. I won the, um, short class. Funnily enough, the height changed. <laughs> so I won the short class at the Europeans in 2020 during the lockdown. Um, that was in Florence, Italy. And that was an amazing show. Um, and that was kind of like when, you know, UK FBA kind of confirmed that, you know, that was a, the right way for for him to head at that point um for Lee to head um having formed you know good relations with the guys there and then you're obviously know, in 2021 I went out to both the worlds and the uh, IMBA NBA Natural Olympia and I must admit the IMBA PMBA Natural Olympia was again unbelievable you know like a great great venue a, ho- a very high level caliber of competition uh you got made to truly feel like you were a proper athlete and it was extremely well run, you know. Like, it was uh, basically like a, if you count the days where registration and stuff, it was like a three-day event in the host with the host hotel being with the venue. So you just walked downstairs from your hotel room into where you would compete. So it's very very easy to access, and um, there wasn't really anything that I would I would fault about it. So, um, this is again another thing that 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 Lee Lee Kemp has always taught me is that um he said to me you know don't don't chase pro cards just take chase titles that's a much better way of looking at bodybuilding so at the moment i've got a european title a world title and two british titles so i just my goal is just as an athlete is just keep adding to that um if that leads to professional status when the time is right and i can be a good pro then great um but you know i think the the good pro the really good pros unless you're part of the genetic elite are are in their early 30s really so um for me it's a case of probably when I earn that status and go to compete in the pro ranks I'll probably be in my early 30s. Um but right now my main vision as an athlete is to win the overall title at the UK at FBA finals um which would uh, you know two years ago, three years ago given me that pro card. Um and that's the that's that's the title that i care about it doesn't it doesn't really matter to me at that point if it leads to a pro card or not it just matters that that title is at uh, some point in some year won by myself um so yeah i think it's body bodybuilding has taught me that or the journey of bodybuilding has taught me that it doesn't necessarily matter whether you you know have a pro card or not it matters that your your reason why you step on stage or reason why you you head towards a specific goal is that you have a deep desire burning inside you to achieve that. For me, it is, it is you know, ever since I had that conversation with Lee, it's always been that title over anything else. Um, To me at the moment, it means more than winning a pro world title. <laughs> so, you know, and then maybe in the future, the goals will change. But yeah, that's really where my mindset's at
0: awesome man that's incredible and it's interesting because you mentioned early 30s is typically when the where the best natural bodybuilders you could say are competing at that that age right for the most part on average you're pretty so i can edit this part out if you're not comfortable sharing your age
1: oh that's fine (laughs) yeah yeah because you're like how old are you 26 at the moment
0: that's incredible the amount that you have accomplished in, since a teenager to now is just mm-hmm. absolutely incredible man that's awesome and not just Thank from uh not just from physique wise and you know the i see how you, know, how you train of course which we'll get into that will be fun <laughs> but also the business side of things it's just awesome you conduct yourself much well very maturely but also much older than i would i would have thought you were older but i did know you were younger just because obviously i'm in the community so i know of course but um that's why i i also wanted you on because hey you're our youngest guest so that's uh it's the longevity <laughs> muscle podcast so you got the wild card my brother because normally it's like older folks right so of course, um, yeah. with the exception of a, there has been a few who have been early 30s but yeah. you got the wild card my friend and i don't see too <laughs> many other young folks jumping on this podcast so that's awesome
1: <laughs> yeah that's good yeah no, i appreciate it man like 100 you know I've, and some of some of the people you've had on like philip ricardo for example is one of those those people that I've looked up to for a long, long time, um and one of the most humble dudes that I've ever met as well. Like, I've, I first I first met him, and you know, he actually came up to me and said, "Hey, Jay, you know how how you doing?" Because we communicated on social media a few times, and the fact that he even knew who I was was like mind blowing. Um, so, yeah, you know, I, I again, I appreciate being on man. It's a it's it's, it's, it's a good thing.
0: <laughs> no, no, you deserve to be here for many reasons, man, and. Like I said, we're going to get into some really fun training topics. Uh, we'll dive into that. But not to mention, like, also, you know, we've had, you know, Philip Ricardo, Yoshi Moody, man, yes. just absolute just icons of natural bodybuilding. Uh, yes. Von Cunningham, like these these guys are have set the standard. And does that – so you mentioned what, why you do this, right? Hmm. But when you go into a training session, is that what drives you the title's the competing does that what drives you to train and train hard like i we're talking high intensity of effort like really high intensity of effort from what i see clips i'm like this guy is okay. doing like some dorian yates type training right so <laughs> which we're gonna dive into because i think yeah, this, no. is, this is fun stuff but is that what drives you would you say the titles more so or is there something else also that motivates you to go into the gym every day
1: and do that yeah. Type of yeah yeah i i mean i think for me i'm i'm in when i'm in the gym i'm not i'm not even thinking about the titles to be honest maybe close to a show i'm thinking about it because that's that's really where the why the deep burning why maybe has to come out i think the reason why i train is just because i i love it you know it's like the favorite part of my day it always has been since i've been like 14 15 years old um i got introduced to kind of like that you know very very much you know what you said there you know the, the dorian yates or like slag iron way of training where there's a lot of movements that are you know the pure basics and that's that's for me what i just love to do there's nothing that makes me feel more alive than rowing a weight and squatting a weight and doing stuff in the gym that i you know don't often see a huge amount of people doing that's what makes me feel alive and kicking you know um and that's it's also my release i think I'm, you know, obviously like I've run through already in the podcast, about like the business side of things, you know, it's, it's very, very, very busy for me. It's also like I go through quite high stress periods where there's a lot of athletes on stage or there's something to sort out that's gone wrong or, you know, whatever it is. And then I'll have that flick of the switch to get into the gym. And, you know, all of those emotions that I've maybe felt in the day can kind of be, released in in a, in a positive way you know like not in a negative way I, I don't think negative thoughts when i train um i don't bring up negative emotions um i actually i actually train my best when i'm happy so i just get into the gym and i'm like right i'm in the gym this is my happy place i don't think oh i've had this annoying stuff go on in my day let's put this into the bar that's when everything goes wrong for me when i put in negative emotions so for me it's it's like it's my happy place like i said and it's um yeah, it's just what what really completes my day. Without it I feel very 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 lost. So rest days are <laughs> rest tough. days are the harder ones but um uh yeah, like yeah, that's the reason I think why you know why I 100% you know train the way that I do.
0: That makes a lot of sense. I can relate to that as well. When I'm thinking negative, worst workouts usually. I have to be 100%. happy going in and yeah, it's a, there's a bit of a meditation that has to occur just before I start training just to bring <laughs> To make that a good session. Right. Um, yeah, agreed. But yeah, yeah. And so let's talk about frequency because you were just mentioning rest days. So we could just kick it off like that. How often are you training right now? And on average, is it different between off season and prep? Maybe you can dive into that a little bit, given the nature of how hard you train.
1: Of course. So, yeah, no, I, I think think well, 100% what you said there, my exercise selection, the way that I train really does, mean that my frequency has to be a certain way hmm. uh, i can't be in the gym seven days a week looking you know doing the things that i do in the gym unless i was a complete freak of nature in terms of recovery capacity which uh, i'd say that i've got good recovery but not uh impeccable because i also have a lot of day-to-day stresses that impact my ability to recover too um and you know my my sleep routine all that is is very adequate but my uh my day-to-day life isn't probably the best suited to being able to train at maximum like super super high frequencies so uh, i train most week most weeks four days um the split is actually sometimes it rolls into to five um, but most of the time it's four so it's basically a a push pull off legs off so i rest around the most systemically demanding sessions of the week after pull, which is either a row or a hip hinge i've got a day after to rest after legs, I've got another day after to rest. um typically in the off season, recovery capacity is a little higher. Um, my arms are a little bit of a weak point. So sometimes I remove the volume that I have in push and pull at the end of those sessions. And I do slightly less bicep and tricep work. And I include an arm day the day before legs. And that's only in weeks where I feel like from an auto-regulated standpoint, I can go in and do that arm session. I'm not feeling too mentally drained. Um, At the end of the day, it's it's arms. It takes 45 minutes maximum, and it allows for some very concentrated effort level of work, which I must admit at the end of a push or a pull day, even push, I'm pretty, I'm pretty gassed. I'm pretty done. And the, even when I do take the time to focus on the quality of the arm work, inevitably the quality is always better when I'm going in and it's the first thing I'm thinking about. So that's pretty much the split that I've been running that for a long, long time. I've dabbled in others. I've always thought he trains at this frequency and he's massive. So I'm going to try it kind of thing. you know. Like, And he's just like, why am I even doing this? Like, I always revert back to kind of what works for me, what works for my body. The main thing for me with this split that's important is every time I go into the gym, I feel like I can crush it um, because I get to a rest day and I'm like, damn, I need this rest day. And then after the rest day, I'm like, right, I'm ready to go. I'm craving lifting and i'm thinking about the lift that i've got the next day whereas when a session just when sessions just roll one after the other after the other uh, and i've got the workload that i've got i can barely even think about what i'm training on the day so i have no mental preparation nothing going on up here that's making me think right i've got this on the cards today i'm just thinking right it's another training session let's just get through this which is just the wrong mindset for me to be in especially in the off season when strength levels are creeping up
0: and as far as training upper body back to back like that with that level of intensity, again, which we're going to get into, Mm. do you find it? Have you ever, I mean, you said you've been running with this kind of split for a long time. So I I assume it works relatively well for you to do like chest and triceps and maybe delts before back and biceps or unless you have that arm day, but is that, am I saying that right?
1: Yeah. You're saying that right. Yeah. I don't, don't see too much interference to be honest. The only interference I ever really have to worry about is, at the moment where i'm rowing really heavy um which we can talk all day about rows whether they're productive or not i personally think they are and i do really enjoy doing them um but the cross transfer of those rows then into like a leg day that's sometimes 50 50 even like uh, sldls um with one day rest in between into a leg day that's sometimes 50 50 but if i'm great with rest that's normally the cross cross transfer into the other session is it's fine. I'm I'm appropriately rested. The push into the pull, I don't find too much problems with that. Um, if anything, I think the other way around would impact me more because my upper back would be fatigued into all of my presses. Generally, my chest and shoulders are weaker than my back. My back's a pretty good strong point. So for me, if I'm more sort of just tired systemically going into the the back day. I wouldn't really mind that. I'd rather be fresh off the back of a rest day into the into the push day for me.
0: With the rest day in between, you still find that sometimes you have a bit of interference from the pull yes. to the leg day. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, 100%. Something interesting that I did try in the last off season that really did bring up my hamstrings because my hamstrings were an area. I mean, my hamstrings and glutes have always been an area that have been played pretty well developed, but. It's, it's this is something i talk about a lot but you know your ability to get in, into condition is a is rate limited by your level of muscle mass so if you don't have enough level of muscle mass and the glutes and hamstrings and a lot of it's down to maturity as well muscle maturity in the glutes and hamstrings you're just not going to get them staged you're not going to get them like super diced um so for me i wanted to in 2020 to 2021 really bring up glutes and hamstrings to have that level of like maturity and development to get them shredded um to have them stand out when you know the glaze goes like nicely on the hams and they're like dug out like that's the look that i that i really wanted on stage to achieve so i put in a little bit of hamstring work into pull as well so it meant that over the course of that you know like if you take it as a five-day rotation every five days i'd hit hamstrings twice so i'd hit them with the pull day like a lying ham two sets I might even do an adductor on that day as well for like, um, again, just overall leg thickness and closing kind of like closing the gap in the, in the rear double bicep and rear lat spread. And, uh, yeah, that, that worked really nicely, but I was definitely riding the red line on, on what I could do. There was several weeks where I was like, oh God, like I was barely even struggling to kind of like match the previous numbers because I was going in with some degree of hamstring soreness. So, yeah, that was really like my, what you would probably call beyond my maximum or recoverable volume for hamstrings across that, that micro cycle. But I, I do, I do this with, like often with, again, clients that I know that are very good with their feedback and very good with the accuracy and, and also their mental resilience. I do, I like, I like to ride the red line, you know, like where, what, what is the ceiling? Because you're only going to find out what the ceiling is by getting on it. You know, so um, get the ceiling, get your variables managed in terms of stress, sleep, hydration, food, all that jazz, and then you know work within that that variable rate limiter that you then have got. Um, often, I see athletes turn up with body parts that still need to be more developed. That I uh, maybe look at their programming if I come to coach them. I'm like, you probably could be doing a bit more than this. You know, like yes, your accuracy is great, great, good your intensity is really good as well. Brilliant. Now let's see if we can just drip feed a little bit more work in because, um, there's this sailing bodybuilding that does go around a lot at the moment that less is more. And it's a great statement, but at the end of the day, and this is really true, more is more. If you can recover from it more is always more like, you know, it's the same in, again, when you hear people talk about performance enhancing drugs, like performance and, hands and drugs amidst the side effects. It's like more is more if you can mitigate the side effects and you can still make progress with it. Um, that's the, the reality of, of bodyboarding. It's the reality of, of any sport really. And there's a, there's an element of adaptation that's always going to occur when you do more. Um, it's like, if you look at athletes at top level of any sport, they always go through periods and cycles and phases of doing a lot of damn work to create adaptation of course, in bodybuilding, it's a little different because a lot of what we do is like very systemically dem- demanding. So there's not a lot of work the way, like especially in the way that that I train, um, where I'm maybe not managing. Let's say I'm not working within like an RIR scheme or anything like that. I definitely have a rate limiter in the productive work that I can do. That's maybe a little bit lower than someone that that works within those scales. But at the end of the day, I still want to see how much I can truly do um and how much you can truly do is often a uh a reflection of your ability to manage your recovery variables more than anything else
0: right right you said something important there that i want to latch on to because you're not typically following a scale of we'll just call it rir reps in reserve you're not sure. you're not really implementing that into your training more so you're just taking it to all-out failure is that correct for most if not most of your sets I'll just say
1: yeah sure so that's probably that's probably a good definition I get asked this a lot it's like do you take everything to complete failure it's like hmm I think there's probably some exercises where there are maybe a rep or two there on days where I can't take it um you know so there's some smart auto regulation to the way that I train in the sense that if I know that an RIR zero set is not going to happen it's not going to be productive i won't be doing that set um those those sets are only sorry go ahead no i w-
0: i was just gonna say
1: are when those days do come up are you still beating the logbook? listen yes that's a good question um i think there's occasions in which perhaps let's say an example where i'm dieting down and i had a really really bad rotation um there's a there's definitely a circumstance where I could still be one RIR or two RIR and beat the logbook on the last rotation if I'd had a pretty poor one. Same in an off-season, if I had a pretty poor rotation, I could come back and train maybe with less oomph, less aggression, um, maybe a little bit more accurate, make less mistakes within the set. Because when you're training to that level of intensity, like a zero RIR or even beyond with a forced rep, there's minimal margin for error especially on more, you know, multi-joint yeah. exercises, which aren't externally stabilized. Like you're, you're playing with fire there. If you, if I mess up a rep at the moment, like on a back squat, I back squat once every 10 days for one set. And I post it on my Instagram every time I do it. So it's, everyone thinks, AJ is the guy that back squats I back squat once every 10 days for one set right the rest of my stuff is all the stuff that you probably should be doing to train the quads well right the pendulum squats the extensions the leg presses the accurate stuff that's probably better for hypertrophy but I I love back squatting um but the, like I said you know the margin of error there is so fucking high I get one rep wrong the the set is trash That's why arguably it's not a brilliant exercise when you're looking at pure hypertrophy, but it's a great exercise. And this is a video that went on. uh, It was a reel from um, Ben Pollock. I think it was Ben Pollock. And he said how, you know, things like that give you such a great perception on work because work and the difficulty of that exercise because of the challenge to skill and brace and efforts is so high when you go round to a pendulum squat, you get on the pendulum squat, and it just feels so easy in comparison that your ability to be accurate, your ability to work when the going gets tough is incredible. If you can take a back squat to a higher level of intensity, close to failure, where you're maybe doing a rep that's like a true 50-50 rep or a real one rep max attempt, you'll see people cross-transfer that into more externally stabilized exercises and be able to get after it like like no one else really because they're just so used to going to that place where and the bars wobbling around on their back they can barely stabilize it but they'll go for another rep mm. um and that really teaches you where zero rir is on a pendulum or a hack because you know how hard it should really feel um which i think again is another reason why i do like to train like that because i'm sure probably one of your maybe your questions would be like why you know why why do i like to train that way and um, that's because I think there's a large part of, especially like lower body training where a large part of it is controlled by this guy up here. So if this guy up here is telling me I've got to go into a set and and think or perceive a rate of intensity, I'm always, I'm always thinking about like, I'm thinking about backing off. You right. know, even for me, I'll, I'll do weeks where I go into like a D volume session where I'm purposely trying to leave reps on the table and I am not tapping into that same headspace that I'm tapping into when I do take a set all the way and I am trying to potentially beat the logbook. The uh the tightrope that you're always on with that is that do you beat the logbook or have you just sacrificed execution? And that's a tightrope that I'm always fighting with myself, is why I film my sets because I'm I'll be the first to admit that there's all, there's. there's probably a set that I'll do. Pretty frequently, to be honest, that I look back on it and I think that wasn't as accurate as it needed to be. I beat the logbook, but it wasn't where it should have been. But would I change that to train maybe a percentage more accurately over the course of like, you know, a month of training? I wouldn't because I just don't I don't personally enjoy training in a manner where I'm having to hold myself back significantly from getting in a headspace where I can really find myself in a set, you know, and, and test my mineral, so to speak. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning
0: in. That's all for part one with AJ Morris. If you enjoyed the episode, be sure to share and tag us on IG. The links are in the description box. Also, make sure to check out the At Longevity Muscle YouTube channel, where we're going to be posting clips from the podcast episode and previous episodes, as well as future episodes. So make sure to subscribe. It helps grow the podcast. It helps grow the channel. We appreciate you once again for tuning in and we'll catch you in the next one.